This morning, um, yeah, I, I want to speak, I've changed, I've changed the message about four times, the title, so we've got a new title that came through worship, um, it's called Let Jesus Wash Your Feet, um, and it's, when I read this scripture, it had sort of new meaning to me when I, when I when it's, it leapt out, and I felt just before I actually get going, um, there's been a lot of talk about Mike Fast, I went to go and see him yesterday in hospital, and and they, they basically said to him, the doctor phoned him and said, stop whatever you're doing and go get in the car now. Drive to hospital. Forget what, any, any plans you've got. Get in the car right now and go straight to hospital. And when you drive, don't go over any bumps. If you do, go very slowly. And this time, he's, got, he's halfway through the first treatment and... He's got a 26% chance of dying by Wednesday. Um, and he, was, he said, I was just living a normal life. I was, I'm on the, we on, we've got a Josh Jen motorbike group. I'm on that. I ride a motorbike. And um, he just bought a new motorbike, and, and he rode it down from Bloemfontein, and he put it, it was a week or two ago, he put the post up. Hey, guys, I bought this new motorbike. Furthest I've driven in one day, a 1,000 kilometers. He said, I was just doing life. And the next moment... I'm 40 years old, I've got two little children. And so I shared with them, you know, I've, I've had, I've just, yeah, I had a blood test on Friday. Tomorrow I go, go and see the doctor to find out if my cancer is gone, or I've also, again, limited time on this earth. Um, and, uh, but I had one last year, I was sharing with Mark, you know, and he was, he's solid in the Lord, eh? Solid in God. Um, I, and we went through the same sort of uh, examination, so to speak, um, of our own hearts. And uh, last year, a year and a half ago, I had COVID where I was also, you know, had Jenny had to take me down there and sort of push me through the doors. And, um, and they, they, they said, why did you wait so long? I said, I didn't wait. I tried to go to the hospital a few days ago. They kicked me out. And, uh, and basically they said, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going home to be with Jesus or, you know, you might go home. So I thought, okay, nurse, thank you for that. You know, you obviously skipped encouragement classes at, <laughs> at nursing college. Um, but I was secure in the Lord. I mean, they were, in, they were in a battle zone. I mean, if you'd seen, Jenny said they were punching, fighting to get into the hospital. We couldn't get in. My, mother, my daughter-in-law's mother had to, to a special favor, get, she worked at the hospital to get me in there. That's the type of scenario it was. So they were doing, they were doing their best. Um, but I searched my heart at that time. Said, "Lord, am I ready to come home?" You know, I didn't have the strength to say goodbye to my family. I wanted—I had my phone. I wanted to record a, a farewell message, and uh, couldn't do that. So I said, "Lord, am I ready to come home to be with you now? This is it. You know, I've walked with you for forty years more, and um, I know you, Lord. And search my heart, Lord. Is there anything I need to make right before I come into eternity now?" And Mike went through the same thing. Now he said, "He's, he's lying there." says, Lord, am I ready to come home and be with you? So in a sense, I feel there's an urgency of the hour right now. Because you can be so complacent, you know, um, and just thinking, ah, tomorrow. Oh, what, are we having church this morning? Let's, nice worship. It was beautiful worship. Really felt we were getting to the presence. And as, as Ian so rightly said, you know, we worship God in the spirit and truth. Singing worship is just one aspect of our worship. Actually, Monday to Sunday is worship. Um, how are you going to worship God tomorrow at work? I was in the marketplace for 23 years, ministry now 21 years, um, but I worship God wherever. This is not. This is a wonderful meeting. Sunday is not. I hate actually the expression going to church. 
because we are the church. I mean, all, all we're doing is this, the church is actually assembling in a brick and mortar and a ceiling in a building. Um, so we, the church, have just come together to worship God and be together. And these are equipping times. I'm actually, Andrew's categorized me as more a fivefold pastor, part of the fivefold ministry, as mentioned in Ephesians 4, and to equip the bride of Christ to do the works of ministry. Lauren, I felt, Lauren, I felt God says you, you should teach. I don't know if you do teach, um, but I really feel you're, you're a teacher, and we need to hear your voice. And uh, there's, there's something on your life that you've got to, that you've, I believe God wants you to develop and grow in. Is that your husband? I, I haven't met you yet. I heard about you getting married. Congratulations. A couple of years ago. <laughs> but there's a, this is a preparing time. This is a getting ready time. When you go out these doors, we're going into the rough and ready world. And, and it's, it's a rough place out there. And it's bumpy. And it's, but it needs us. And, we, and why, why I wanna, what I want to speak about really is just our position in Christ this morning. Who we are. And, you know, do you know who you are? Because if you do, you'll act, you'll act according to your understanding and the value of who, how God sees you and your relationship with God. I've come to see, um, if you touch me, you're touching God. It sounds boastful and like, you know, I'm, I'm not important, but I belong to him. I'm his son. You tangle with me, you're in trouble. Yeah. I feel sorry for you. I was in business and I can ask Jenny, we were in, in many serious business situations, physical situations of even one guy put his hand on his gun and threatened to shoot me. And, um, and, and, but, you know, and those guys always came off second best. As long as I'm in the will of God, I'm not hope, I don't want any harm to come to anybody. But really, we can't lose as Christians. We, the, the, we sang, I never know how much he, it, it was for him to die on the cross. We were, you're the most expensive thing on the planet. You were bought at the price of Jesus, his blood. You are priceless. I mean, you are, you are special. This sounds like, Ian says, we're prosperity message. Now we're going into faith, extreme faith message now. Um, word of faith. No, but seriously, sometimes we overemphasize the other side and, and you, you know, of disobedience and doing right. And it is absolutely true. Paul said, I never hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. And sometimes we've got to say, guys, just touch base. And I hope this morning is a bit of a touch base time of who am I in Jesus? And um, let me walk in that. Because I find, you know, I get around to a lot of churches, work with a lot of people, and I find so many folk are head down. They're not, yeah, I'm born again, I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb, and, you know, um, and we, we talk, and, but there's, there's not an, a, an action that often goes with the under, of the speech. And because the born-again believers should be impacting this planet. We should be turning this world upside down in the workplace. Whenever any job that I had, any place wherever I worked, man, I'm there for a reason. I'm there. For, even I said to Mike yesterday, Mike, you, even this hospital you have for a reason. Because yeah. once I was settled in the Lord in the COVID ward, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm here, and I've set, sought my relationship out with you, okay, now I'm going to flip this around. I'm praying for these people lying on the other side of me. Not for their physical well-being, because they both did die. But, but Lord, I'm praying for their souls. Because they can have an encounter with you right now, lying in the, they were, they were intubated and in comas and I heard them calling the one lady's name all the time. I kept trying to get her to come back, and she never did. Um, and God's calling our name. He wants us this morning to wake up. They were trying to get her to wake up. God wants you to wake up this morning to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Gray-haired people, there's some here this morning like me. 
And man, we, we go flat out to the end. We don't retire. We don't pull back. And okay, let the young folk come through now. We, we need all the age groups. We need everyone working together. We need the wisdom of the old. The old can easily be intimidated by, by technology and these things. Then they think, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll just bide my time till the end. But the Lord wants to stir us up. Stir us up to, to, to be a people of walking in them. Shall we put up that first scripture of um, John 13? I'm going to read a chunk of scripture this morning. Can you all see him on the way? It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you are going to wash my feet. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then the Lord, then, Jesus, then Simon now as usual jumps to the extreme. <laughs> then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, but not all, every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've just done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Is that up to the end? So it's an important lesson that he gives us there that he says you are clean. You just need to wash your feet. I mean, you're in the Jewish custom in those days. We were in Israel a year and a half, two years and a half. I don't know. I've lost track now. 20, 2019, we went to Israel with Andrew and the guys. And we saw how the washing places at every station, everywhere, there was a place to wash. And so cleanliness was quite important. To do. And so, they, it, you know, those days they walked on dusty roads. They didn't have tar roads. So their feet would get dirty, but they were clean. And so that what the servant would wash your feet. And we've made that now. I mean, one church we used to go to, they used to wash out my feet every time. It was freezing cold water. <laughs> and, um, you know, we made it into just a, a servant thing. Oh, let me just humble myself and wash your feet. It's much more than that. The, the symbol and the picture that Jesus gives us. It is, he's saying, you're, you are clean because of what, I spoke, what I've spoken to you. Even it says in John 15, verse 3. Um, you have that? You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So this morning... If you're born again, if you've confessed, as Romans tells us, um, I should know, but brain fog, uh, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, if you confess Jesus, don't confess your sins, you confess Jesus as Lord. Um, confess your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
um, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is your mouth that you confess and are saved. That's the end of that part, eh? So if you're born again this morning, if you've confessed Jesus, Lord and Savior, you are clean. You're clean. You've got to know that. The old picture we all used, used to use back in the old days, if you stand before a judge and uh, you're guilty of murder, and then someone else comes and pays the price for you, and you are set free, you're free to go because someone else has taken your place. Jesus took our place for our sin. So we are clean. We're a clean people. If you are born again in him and you know Jesus is Lord, and there's only one type of Christian, by the way. It's not born-again Christians and other Christians. And we've got a lot of cultural Christians in this country. It's our problem, actually. People identify as cultural Christians, but they're not born again. They, they just have a, a, an appearance of holiness, an appearance of, of living for Jesus, but it's just culture. It's not actually in their hearts. If you believe in your heart, well, your heart is a seat of your will. Where, and that's the, what, a, what is a Christian? Someone who's given over their, their will to God and said, well, so it's, it's all the things I've mentioned, that they acknowledge who he is, that he's Lord and Savior, he died for this sin, they, they, they were going to hell, but now they're going to heaven, they're going to be with Jesus, and it's totally by grace, totally by his mercy, not by works, as we know. But a Christian is, is this, that someone whose will belongs to God, that's their decision-making place. Everything you do, that you filter it through God, everything. Lord, my, my thoughts, my emotions, my my possessions. We spoke about finance this morning. We touched on it. Ian touched on it. It's actually God's money. You know, He's entrusting you. He has my money, and He's given all different amounts to us in this room, saying, "Look after my money." We we don't give steward, we don't give stewardship teachings to get money out of you. Woe to us if we ever do that. We're not. It's not a motivation to give us give the church money. It's to teach you to be obedient to God. So when you stand before one day, I was trained, Lord, I was equipped to be obedient with the, with the trust that you've given me of finance. That's just one trust that God's given you. There's many trusts that he's given you. And we, we want to train and equip you in marriage. Jenny, Jenny and I have been married 40 years now, and um, in April this year. And as a trust, we were given each other as a trust. We, just, we, we met with a, a young, two doctors were doing their wedding in two weeks' time, and and I just said, you know, when, when just, I just remembered some of the stuff that we, the, the bridges that we crossed when we, when we got married. We said, right, the word divorce will never be in our vocabulary. Even the heat of battle, and there will be battle moments. If you don't have them, then I'd love to come spend time with you. Um, <laughs> but there will be times of dis sharp disagreements and, and disputes in marriages. But for us, we like, like that Spanish armada, they came, brought their ships onto the onto the beach, and then the, the general burnt all the ships. So there's no going back. We only go forward. We can only fight. There's only one direction we can go in. So for us, it's only we made a commitment. The word divorce does not enter our vocab. My brother, I've only got one sibling, a brother. He's been married, divorced, well, a couple of times, three times, I think. One wife died, two divorced, and he's on his fourth. So that most probably would have been my lifestyle if I hadn't found Jesus before I got married. So there's a justification that, that we are walking. You are justified in God. The price has been paid. And we need to touch and revisit these things. I know it's a very simple message. I'm a repeater type of preacher. You know, he says, Paul speaks about lofty things. That's where Luke comes in. Uh, I'll leave the lofty things to Luke. And um, I'm more a Paul type of guy. Paul says, Peter's just, oh, Peter, sorry. Peter says, I'm just reminding you. There's so much, most of our preaching is reminding. 
It's just going back over the Word, because the Word washes us, the Word encourages us, the Word transforms us, if you allow it to. It changes you to become more Christ-like. This thing is living and powerful. It, it changes lives. As you, and don't just be hearers of the Word. If you just hear and walk out, it's, it's, we just wasted our time. You should have gone to the beach, rather. Rather, Lord, urgency of the hour. Get in the car, drive, don't, right now. This is an this urgency about the hour of, of changing, of God working in our lives. I want to see this church big. What, so you can boast Josh Jen's got big? No, we've grown. We, we joined the church in 1999, first meeting, January, in last week, last Sunday in January. We, we found this guy, Andrew Selly, and we just heard about him, and uh, we just arrived in the Cape in about a year and we, so we went to visit there, and Andrew stood up that night. It was our first official Sunday meeting. There's about 15 people in his house, in his lounge. We now, I'll get the statistics today. We'll get, I think, what, how many we'll get? About 45,000 people will go through Josh Jen this, today. Um, and I'm excited about the mention numbers, by the way, in, in the book of Acts. Because it's a celebration of God doing something in people's lives, of people coming into the kingdom, people coming into healthy churches to grow and understanding. It's not to, we're not here to build Josh Chair. We're not here to build 412. We're here to build the kingdom of God yeah. in people's lives. And the kingdom of God, Jesus, is within you. And as we all allow God to transform this kingdom and let him take his rightful place on the throne, man, people around us will be changed. Marriages will be sorted out. We won't have to do marriage counseling and all these counseling and counseling, because people will just understand and, and allow God to transform them and change them to become like Him. Hebrews uh, 10, please. Therefore, brothers, since we have, a, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened, uh, opened for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. That's the end of that. So let us, this morning there's a confidence that God wants as his people to rise up and say, Lord, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, I'm going to approach you boldly, Lord. I'm going to be asked for things uh, in, in your name. And, you know, when we first got saved, our church went skewed, went into the word of faith movement. We name it and claim it, you know, claim your Mercedes, claim this, and we see the prosperity message still rough around the world, especially in poor countries where they where they have a, they're desperate, so they can God give me a lot of money? Then I'll serve him, you know, and, and, and this, the language. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. God will provide our needs. And that's, I love what Ian said this morning. And we always encourage guys to do that. Tithe first. We don't check if you tithe on us. Between you and God, you're going to have to answer to him one day if, you, if you're disobedient in, in your giving and being a generous giver. It's between you and the Lord. But I want to know that we've trained you and, and encouraged you towards what, what God says. Because we, you know, God says he'll provide for our needs. And God said, but if I tithe, I'll have no money for food. That's fine. We'll pick you up as a church. I'll have no place to stay. That's okay. We'll, 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 we'll make a plan with, with you to find something. We get a wrong way around. We start budgeting and intellectualizing this when it should be a faith thing. We're a people of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
and He's given us the body to care for one another. I can remember when my business, I had a business for seven years, and it went, and about the fourth year, it was doing quite well, but in the fourth year, my family, I was in, they were doing another business, but they owed me a lot of money, and they went into liquidation. And so I, we, overnight, we were in dire straits. And I went to a good business friend of mine, a really good man, and I said, poured out my story to him. He said, what's the worst that can happen? And he just took me through a whole process. I said, well, I could lose my house. He says, well, you can come stay here. I could lose this. And then we'll make a plan. He just dismantled all my fears, one by one, to the point where, what's the worst that can happen? You can die of starvation and go be with the Lord, you know? Um, <laughs> We can't lose in this life, folks. Jesus won the battle at the cross. We are victorious people. We are a victorious people walking in the power of a living God. You can't lose. You, you, what's the worst, worst that can happen to you? There's nothing in this life. Absolutely nothing. Because this life is so short, so temporary, and then we will be with him in glory forever and ever. Will there be difficult times in this life? Yes, there will be. There's been wars and famines and depressions and high interest rates and for forever. There is a, this is a corrupted world. This is not God's. God, the devil's known as the prince of, of the of this earth. He has a certain limited power over this earth, and there is in there's a corrupt corruptedness on this earth that takes place. Even in our bodies, our bodies decay. They get old. And eventually, you know, in America, like I was saying to um, Mike yesterday in the hospital, he's 40. I said, Mike, you know what, in America in the early 1800s, if you got to the age of 20, if, because there's such a high child mortality rate in the, up until the very recently, if you got to the age of 20, you could expect to live another 17 years in America, and Europe for that matter. Who's over 37 here? You're all in overtime. But we're living in a, I mean, Mike definitely would just have died now if there wasn't modern medicine. I would have. Uh, Andrew Selly would have. He died a year ago. He had a blockage and he put a stent in him. Lucas Nakos, in his Sunningdale morning, has had a heart attack. He's had two stents just put in, would have been dead. Roland Barnard, leads Brackenfell, had a heart operation, uh, bypass. Pin and Embody leads all the churches in, in, in the London area. He's got about six churches. He had a triple bypass as well about a year ago. All these guys dead. If it wasn't for modern medicine. So we are, we're living in a fragile state. So that, the point is, let's go for it while, we, while we're on this world. Yeah. Young people, be careful of, the arro of arrogance, you know, of, of I'm going to live, for, I felt like that. I'm going to live forever. And even in this life, as a Christian, you have a sense, you don't want to become morbid and think I'm going to die every moment, you know. But, uh, but in, when you're younger, you think, man, you know, I can do it. And then suddenly it's all over. I've got certificates on my wall that are meaningless now. I can't, they can't get me any unemployment. I'm too old for that. But I, I work for this thing. I started life as a helicopter mechanic. I've trained three years, four years for that qualification. And then I did a three-year business management diploma at university. And all this stuff means nothing now. It's meaningless. It's just pieces of paper that I worked hard for. But, and they, they served me for a purpose. In fact, they got me. It got, you know, God's got a, a destination for every single one of you. How you get there is often up to you. Because he's often, God's got a plan and a purpose, but often we don't listen. We see many examples in the Bible, guys, don't listen to God. The, I mean, the Israelites, 40 years in the desert, it should have taken them two weeks, that journey. 
out of disobedience, 40 years. And they weren't allowed to go in. You, know, you won't go in because of disobedience. And, oh, there's this drama the whole way through. So you can choose to have a life of drama and disobedience. And you may not, when you get into eternity, you may not be rewarded for what you did in this life. Because the Bible says, aim. Jesus actually encouraged us to aim for rewards for eternity. Aim for it, he said. Go for it. And those things are, in a, when he calls us to be obedient in him and to walk in the things and the plans and purpose that he has for our lives. So you can choose to make it a difficult life or not and get off God's plan, God's purpose. And uh, he'll get you there eventually if you keep coming back to him. But it could be a bit sore and anal along the way. Choice is yours. So we have confidence to be to come into the, into His presence and to know Him. Um, but then, as I mentioned, I really want to talk about foot washing, which is um, knowing that we're clean. But sometimes we got to get our feet washed by Jesus. And so there's some scriptures that we can just look at um, because. We make mistakes in this life. You all get, I've made mistakes. Man, I've made so many. I wish I hadn't. I've, I've got some battle scars on me now for, and some surgery scars. But uh, some, some spiritual battle scars all for making wrong decisions sometimes and getting it wrong. And having to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up. I, if I'd only had listened, I'd only had done, done it better. But I can't beat myself up with this. I can't live in the past. Else I'm going to get despondent and... I've got to dust myself off, and today and tomorrow is a new day. And I've got to go forward. We've got people who are going forward all the time. But there are times when I've got to say, he wants us to be cleansed by by coming and confessing things. Um, We have three potentially dangerous teachings that are circulating around there. Often old teachings that just reemerge, because there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible tells us. There's probably three teachings, and some of you may get offended this morning. Um, sorry for you, but um, I will mention them. You get the, the Hebrew roots movement, you know, that Galatians, Paul says, oh, why you, who's deceived you? Who's got to go back to the stuff, you know? And they justified, it's, it's deception, by the way. The, the, the spirit that first deceived, that we were first deceived, the Bible says, it says that unbelievers have a, cl- a veil over their eyes. They can't see Jesus. The whole world just get born again tomorrow. Um, for Christians... It's so obvious that this world's created by God. Our bodies were created by God. Are they phenomenal? It's so clear. But for the people, but the unsaved, even remember yourself when you are unsaved, you can't see that. You look to science, you look to evolution, you look to all these things that justify. And so a lot of what we're dealing with is deception, which is a terrible spirit. You can't debate with it. Because there'll be guys, when I mention these things, there might be some of you who believe in these things. And, and would like to debate me on it. And yes, but I'll show you scripture. No, I've been around this, all, these, all these scriptures. And the Bible says, as elders, we call to refute false teaching. We have to. And that's what our responsibility. So one is Hebrew roots, which trans, you know, people call Jesus Yahweh. And they've, they, the, whole, the, whole te- the whole focus is, is often just on the name of Jesus. They're so caught up in, in legalism. Um, but they can't see us. Deception. And, and they will get angry with us of what we believe, and, and we're missing it. We, don't, we can't see it. We, we, they think we're deceived. Um, you get the kingdom now guys who want to bring everything down onto this earth now. They want, heaven is very clear. It's very clear that heaven is to, is to come. It will, be, it will be on this earth again. It'll be a new, new earth. Um, but they really want perfect health. I mean, I've been in, in these teachings. I've read up on them. They want perfect health, perfect wealth. Uh, everything must be like heaven on earth. 
uh, and um, it raises an expectation which is not achievable in this life. Jesus said, in eternity, you'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more sadness, no more mourning, no more sickness. Temptation will be removed. That's the most amazing thing. In eternity, there'll be no more temptation. Right now, you're all tempted. We, we all are. There's a temptation. The enemy's trying to get us off the path that Jesus has got planned for us and off the will of God. And the third one would be um, uh, the, uh, the hyper grace. It's also probably not a good term because they, they really feel they have a superior understanding of grace, that we really don't, don't understand the grace of God. And they would say that all your future sins are forgiven already, so you must never confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9, because the Bible says all Scripture is given for teaching and edification. All Scripture, not some. And so they will dismantle a lot of Scripture and say, no, that wasn't to Christians, that was to the Gnostics. Uh, and, and so 1 John 1, 9, it says, uh, do you want to put it up for me, please? Uh, did I give it to you? I gave you a bit of... 1 John 1, 9 there, uh, from 5, you can take it from verse 5, we'll just read up. Um, this is the message we have heard from him, um, this is part of what I want to preach, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Now they're saying, they, he's talking to the Gnostics there who are not born again, and he's talking about being born again here. Um, okay, next verse. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. They, again, they believe that's a salvation message. Carry on. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, now know in the Bible we're told to confess our sins for salvation. We're called to, called to confess Jesus as Lord. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's wonderful. For me, that if, yeah, if, we, if we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not placed in our lives. It's very much the language is we, us, and then 1 John uh, 2, verse says, my dear children, the whole tone, the whole message is to the church, because there had been an agnostic, uh, gnostic, not agnostic, gnostic teaching come into the church of that you are, people are not, you're not sinning in the, if you sin in the body, and you're not sinning in the spirit, all that time, they break things up, Greek thinking, and, um, so, because he refers to them lately, he says, in, in 1 John 3, I think it is, he says that they were not of us. So, he was combating a false teaching that, it, that was coming into the church there uh, about people's, un, the understanding of their, of their state in Christ, of their condition. So, we've, we've established that, that we are justified, we are, we are His, we are clean, but there are moments Jesus says, you've got to wash your feet. And so if we confess our sins, and, and even James 5, it talks about someone is sick. And I, 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 I process James 5 as well. Um, I gave you 13 to 16, James 5. If anyone of you is in trouble, okay, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is, is anyone of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Okay, it's a Christian. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Um, so there is an element that God wants us in this life to confess sins to him and also to each other. It just diminishes sin of its, of its power. And we have seen such liberation and freedom um, 
where was it, a year ago, two years ago, about this time two years ago, we had a step four lead elders down uh, for sin. One was bust and three confessed and, and pornography and things like that. All four have been restored back into ministry because God is into restoration. It's not just to highlight your sin and to rub your face in it and yeah, you failed. God, if he highlights anything, it's for our benefit. He works all things for the good of those who love him. So if anything ever gets highlighted, it's to help you to grow, not to, not to expose you and to make you ashamed and to belittle you in any way. There may be some of that you'll have to go through. I think about old, poor old uh, Paul. I mean, he was bust being a racist. You know, Peter, Peter, point, Peter points out, says, sorry, other way around. Peter was the racist. Sorry, sorry, Peter. One day and I go. <laughs> Paul, rather. Um, You know, he said that uh, Peter pulled away when the Jews came. I mean, the Jews had a very strong culture, extremely strong. And so when they came, he would pull away and separate away from the Gentiles. And Paul didn't take him around the corner, didn't send him an email, WhatsApp, you know. Hey, bud, just want to let you know, you didn't quite get that right there. He did in front of, he did in front of everybody. And it's written down in the Bible for everyone to read. I mean, we still, you know, to this day, we're aware of Peter's mistake. How would you like that? Your name written there. Everyone read. <laughs> Ian did this, you know. Because <laughs> that's the type of lifestyle that we've lived, a one of transparency and vulnerability, but that takes trust. And we've got to rebuild trust sometimes in our lives. Trust has been so undermined. They're saying pastors in America... We get most of our statistics out of America. And um, they said they're the 29th most trusted person. In, in the old days, um, people in ministry were highly regarded. But because of um, social media, if you make one mistake, it's out there. And often it's the big mega church guys who, who make the mistakes. And the guys are just deconstructing their faith and all this type of stuff in America. You know, but there's, for every one big mega pastor who's blown it, there's a thousand small church pastors who are faithful to their wives Loving God, haven't messed up, going strong for the Lord Jesus. But it's the highlighted ones that get the most. I mean, you put anything on the, on the media about church and that, yeah, they're just in it for the money and, you know, all this type of thing. Are you in it for the money, Ian? <laughs> it's so crazy. But so we need times when we just come to God and say, Lord, I need some foot washing. And to live a life like that. Like Mike Fast has lived. Mike Fast is ready to go and be with the Lord. He's ready. It's not just about being ready to be with the Lord. It's about being effective in this lifetime. Because as you become, as you draw closer to God, as you allow God to wash you and cleanse you, there's just more of an effectiveness of hearing His voice. See, what we're actually talking about is judicial um, uh, uh, sin, which was taken away. But now we're talking about relational sin. This type of sin we're talking about affects our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Where we do mess up and we, we walk in a place, in a state of disobedience to God. Um, we've had a couple of situations where we've had to put people out of the church of late. Um, we've got a lot of churches now, so I mean these things happen. Uh, where people in, in 1 Corinthians 5 says they're an unrepentant sin. They're persistent. And often when we get up and 
men and speak about having to put someone out of, the, out of fellowship. You must understand there's been so much background um, work that's taken place. What you're seeing at the end is, is, is after weeks and months and days of pleading and begging and reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. And, and when the person, I mean, I've, this year I had to put a lady out of, and she said to, said to me in, my, in another congregation, she, I've got the message still. She said, I know I'm sinning. She was a deaconess in our church. Sexual sin. She said, I know I'm sinning. I know what you have to do, and I accept it. I said, Ma. I did a wedding two months ago at someone's house, and she arrives. I, says, I greeted her politely, friend. I'm not going to, I don't hate you. I love you. I want, I want the best for you. But you're not allowing you, you choose, I said to you, choosing a little human being over God. Really? Is that a fair trade? That you would choose a little temporary human being who can, who's actually, that, the person she's chosen has been unfaithful to her partner. She's a, it's a lesbian relationship. And she's got a, she's married, her husband works offshore. These are the things we deal with. But let's be a people who allow Jesus to wash our feet this morning. Run to him, come to him boldly, knowing that you that, that he will draw you in. And, and even as leaders, we want to say, you know, that we are here. We don't want, we want the best for you guys. When you still, Hebrews 13, 17 says, we've got to present you to Christ one day. We've got to go and account for you. Paul says, you know, we've got to present you as a virgin bride in 2 Corinthians, somewhere 11, I think. He says, we've got to present you one day as the bride to the, back to the Jesus. You belong to Jesus, not to us. And can we present you? Can, can we give an account for your lives one day? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, give, we've got to, got to obey your leaders. And we shouldn't lord it over you. That's, that's bad leadership. We don't allow our guys. I, saw, I love the picture. When, they, when did you do the building opening? Woodstock two weeks ago. Two or, two or three weeks ago, they, we opened up, we did like an official opening of the Woodstock building. And there was a picture of Andrew Selly sitting on the floor. He leads this church of 6,000 people, plus all the 412 churches in America right now, all the 412 around the world. Because there wasn't enough seats, he sat on the floor. Didn't take the seat of honor, you know. You're the leader. Yeah, everybody, oh, you other guys sit on the floor. Let him sit. No, I'll sit on the floor. It is. It's, it's, it's an understanding of servant leadership. Andrew's trained us like that. We had, we had to serve with our lives. We, I've gone without, not, not just sitting, I mean, sitting on the floor is pretty minor, but I don't, yeah, we don't want to, we don't boast in Jesus. So this morning, let Jesus wash your feet. Learn how to do it. If you're not sure, come to one of the leaders and say, just help me. You should be doing a journey with, with the leadership here so they can help you to come into what God wants to do in your life. You don't want to be just sitting on a row every Sunday, go to him, you know, and Wednesday, and your life doesn't count for the Lord. Burn for Jesus. Burn for Him. I love. I'll finish with this with uh, General William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, and they were powerful in the 1800s and early 1900s as a Salvation Evangelical movement. And General, I mean, his wife was amazing as well. She died of breast cancer, and at about the age of 60, and she said to him, "My only regret." that I won't be here to nurse you, my husband, when you die. What a servant woman, eh? Dying painfully of and we don't have the modern medicines we've got today. And then he lived to quite old, and, and, the, uh, and a journalist interviewed him and said, 
you know, William Booth, how come you've been so effective for God in your life? He says, because God got all of William Booth. We partition God sometimes, you know, we put him in compartments, say, Lord, I'm on fire for you, man. You know, I'll even go and sit in the front on a Sunday morning. But are you on fire for Jesus? Does he have all of your heart? Really? You and Mike Fast right now, what did you be talking to the Lord about? Let's stand. Father, we just come to you this morning. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We don't want these to just be mere words that we sing on a Sunday. But Father, we want them to penetrate our heart, to go deep into us, Lord, into our spirit, to transform us, Lord. I would assume that most of us here are born-again Christians. You know the Lord Jesus and made a commitment to serve him, and you've understood that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. But it's way more than that. It's, Jesus rose from the dead. He lives today and is still at work. He says, my, my father is working even as I am working in John. There's work to be done in our hearts. It starts there, and then it boils and bubbles out of us and into what God wants to do for, for his kingdom. Let God wash your feet this morning. There may be things that you just got to bring to him. Some of them may have even the appearance of good. It's one of the challenges we have in this modern society is we've got sport has become a massive God, a consumer of time. And these are good things. I mean, they're healthy and all that type of thing. We can ju- but actually, it, it, it's about priorities. It's about what we live for. Allow God, Jesus, to come wash your feet. We used to sing a song back in the day of Jesus walking around the room, looking who he may touch. And I really feel the Lord's here just wanting to touch lives this morning, draw some of us closer and back in closer. There's things in the world that's just got into you and it's become a priority. And you've learned how to do church and just be part of it. But God wants to take you so much more deeper. And he wants you to trust him. You've been hurt, you've been damaged questioned but love 1 Corinthians 13 says love always trusts it doesn't come naturally to us always to trust we have to choose to do it trust God trust his leaders who have got problems not problems but frailties and weaknesses just like you but the Bible does talk about there being amongst us those who are mature and Ephesians 4 talks about the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to bring the church to a place of maturity and unity. And I'm hoping this morning to help you come on that journey of maturity because mature people are effective in, in the hand of the Lord. And maturity is not by the gray hairs on our head and how many years we've been in church. Maturity is how much of the will of God is dominant in our lives. And of us living it and breathing it. Be transformed this morning by the power of God. We serve a powerful God. Can God heal Mike fast? We believe he can. We, we're trusting for that. But we can't demand from God. His will be done. 
Even Jesus acknowledged that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, there's not another way, but your will be done. Let's, let's turn our hearts to our all-powerful, all-loving God who loves us, lavishes grace upon us, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's patient with you. You have no idea how patient God is with you. But don't test that patience. Father, we come running to you this morning. As your children, sons and daughters, we come running to you. We thank, give you thanks for Jesus, what he did on the cross. Wash us, Lord. Wash us this morning. Purify us, Lord. There's a scripture even that says you purify yourselves. What it means is you present yourselves for purification. If you don't present yourself, God can't do it. So in your heart and your mind right now, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Here we are, God, alive in you, dead to self. Work in us, Lord God. If there's anyone here this morning who's not sure about your salvation, if you're not sure that you're in Mark Foss's hospital bed right now, that, that you would go be with the Lord Jesus, if you're uncertain, if you're not convinced that you're in Christ Jesus this morning, we've, we've found many times people have been in churches for sometimes a long time and actually not born again. They've just learned how to go through all the motions and fit in. So this morning, if you're not convinced that you're in the kingdom of God this morning, that if you were to die this week, that you'll be with Jesus forever. Won't you just surrender your heart right now? Just surrender your heart right now. And if there's anyone like that, I'd love to pray with you as well. So if you want to just stick a hand up and tuck a no to pray for, I'd appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're a precious man, eh? You're a precious man. Anyone else? Thank you for your courage. Well done. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, for the rest of us as well, we want to go deeper in you this morning. And it would be great, you know, just getting people to stick up hands or come stand in the front is, can, can be a sign, but what's most important is a changed life. But if there's someone, if you want to speak to one of us as leaders, please do so. Get in the car now and drive right now. I'm using a picture of what Mike Fast was given. Don't hesitate. Drop whatever you're doing. Get in the car right now. So I'd urge you as well right now, if there's something in your life that you've hidden, something go way back or something that you want to just bring out, well, also confess your sins one to another. We're not into gossip and stuff like that, but we want to help one another grow. Please come and speak to one of the leaders in this church. You can speak to me afterwards or even during the week. Or Ian and Kate and whoever, the other leaders here. Please do so. Father, I pray over this congregation that they will walk in everything that you've called them to walk in. I pray your blessing over them. I pray your favor on their lives, Lord. I pray their lives will glorify you and bring you glory as they live their lives out in Jesus' name. Fill them with your presence, beautiful presence, sweet fragrance of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, my Lord.
Yeah, there was just that sense this morning that as Russell was sharing, there was a shaking of foundations that was taking place. And uh, when the drought was happening in Cape Town, some of our foundations of our houses would have been shaken. And, and what happens, you start to see cracks in the walls. And I really want to encourage us with, with what Russell was saying. Now, if, you've, if you're suddenly seeing a crack that you maybe haven't seen before, and you're like, oh my word, I didn't even know that was there. But while Russell was, was speaking, while God was ministering, if there was a shaking of your foundations, then, then honor God. Because there's this amazing thing where God wants to take the ugly things in us and use it to glorify Him. I mean, our feet are not beautiful, most of us. And back then, they walked around in sandals and the streets were not clean. And yet, and yet Scripture says how beautiful are the feet of those that are ready to go spread the gospel. And so if that is you, I think don't, don't hesitate. Don't hold back. Make yourselves available. So it's like Russell said, come and speak to us. Come and speak to the leaders. Don't be in a rush. We're going to close the meeting there. There's coffee. But for those of you that need to speak, the guys are going to keep playing in the background. But uh, come and speak. Come and process what God wants to do in you. But yeah, thank you, Father God, for this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for men and women like Russell and Jenny that can come in and come in through just simple words, through a gentle voice, can do such amazing things for your glory, God. Just that sense that there's so many of us that are impacted that are shifted, that are adjusted for your glory, that we can go out today and run afresh and run again for your glory because you're worth it, God. So worth it. So come, Holy Spirit, come and lead us, come and guide us, come and, come and encourage us to run our races for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.